1: Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Another installment of player profile. You guys have been asking for some of these. They were a hit. People really enjoyed Derek Jeter and my guy, Allen's favorite quarterback, Eli Manning, baby. <laughs> it
2: will never end.
1: Oh man, Alan's back in the building because, as you guys saw, the name of this one is a guy that Alan knows really well. A guy who Safe to say, kind of made you a fan of the Falcons or what?
2: Uh, He definitely helped influence it, but I started watching them back in 98. That was the first game I ever watched was Falcons-Broncos Super Bowl. Mm, So right before then, yeah. Did not really go that well for you guys. No, it was actually on Fox about a month ago, and boy, Chris Chandler threw some doozies. And, man, Prime Charles Davis, I forgot how good he was.
1: Yeah, dude, think about it. That guy's in the Hall of Fame, and he's, what he play, six years, if that?
2: Yeah, about that.
1: But yeah, yeah. Michael Vick. um, You know, we, we talked about him a lot on the top 25 QBs of the 2000s, rightfully so on that list. And I think first and foremost, man, the most influential quarterback that I've ever seen. He really opened up the doors for... An athlete to be able to play quarterback. And he was the first of his kind. Like you know, Steve Young, but come on. You know, like when it came sure to running passes. What did he run? Like a four four? Something outrageous? Uh, I think, yeah. So from just an influence on the game, there's hasn't been anyone like Mike Vick since Lamar Jackson.
2: Just off pure like, exposedness, guys, I could just make those jaw-dropping plays that uh, whether it's you know, making two defenders miss or just you know where, say if like, you're in a hopeless situation, just off their pure speed athleticism, they break open what could have been a 10-yard loss into a 30-yard game.
1: Yeah, I'm talking about the fact that they're quarterbacks, they can throw, but in the open field, you think they're Barry Sanders and LaDainian Tomlinson.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think with those two guys, it's, you know, two gener- a couple generations apart. But Mike Vick opened up the doors for the quarterback to be able to play that way. And, you know, number one pick coming out of Virginia Tech. He had a really successful college career all- also over there. But player profile, man, we're going to break down his career. Um, he's out the league now. And when you think Michael Vick, if you don't think of him as a Falcon, maybe you're too young to be listening to this podcast.
2: Way too young.
1: Yeah, that's, that's how you got to remember Vick. So, dude, tell me, yeah. as someone that followed the team, this would have been something that I would have had you on even if we weren't doing this show together the last couple of months. Like, you would have been the prime guest for this because take me back to, like, your, your first memories of Vick on the Falcons.
2: What's weird was in 2001, he only started two games because Dan Reeves was the coach at the time and they kind of wanted to bring him along slowly. They still had Chris Chandler, who was the starting quarterback from the Super Bowl team. So they were kind of doing what Arizona did with Kurt Warner and Matt Leiner, where they just had like this rotation, which is something I don't think we'll ever see again. So Vic, he showed some flashes, but you could tell he was still kind of uncomfortable in the pocket. He was just more of an athlete looking to make plays out of structure. But then by 2002, that's where it really set off. That's where we saw the star rise, where you would have these games where he would run for over 100 yards. I'll never forget, there was a game against Pittsburgh where they ended up tying 34-34. But it was just a game where constantly, and this is when Pittsburgh had that uh, yellow curtain defense, Bo Cowher 3-4, just overwhelm everyone for vic he always made teams pay for playing man coverage that's one thing he always said he's like if you're gonna play man coverage against me i'm gonna take off within a few seconds because we could talk all you want about your pass rushers you know setting the edge and playing contain at the end of the day these are pass rushers they're not going to do that they're going to be too overzealous and because mm-hmm. just going to take off and that's what they did repeatedly other than i would say tampa bay because tampa bay that's 2002, that was that John Gruden coach defense, you know, Warren yeah. Sapp, Rice, Derrick Brooks. Because um, Derrick, yeah, Derrick Brooks was the athlete. He was, like, the only linebacker that could spy Vic and have enough athleticism where he could contain him. But for the most part, they would just overwhelm all these defenses. So 2002 was the year it all set off. They went 9-6-1, and made the playoffs, first team ever to beat Green Bay in Lambeau, which is a huge fee at the time. That's the infamous moment where Vic made Kabir ba- had him by the sidelines, Vic just ducks, and this is Lambeau on a Saturday night wildcard weekend. And it was just one of those freak moments where it just like, this guy's not human. And he just screwed it off for like a 22-yard run. And from then on, you know, that's where it began. So 2002 set the stage for everything. And that's when I was like, okay, this is the state land in need because you know, after 98, they kind of Peter at all, they make the playoffs for four consecutive seasons. So 2002, it came together, and then going to 2003, he broke his leg and wondered, is he going to be the same athlete? And then within, I think, two games of his recovery, they remember they played like a Saturday night game against Carolina, and he looked as good as ever. So uh, even coming off a broken leg, that's. And I think his injury kind of put teams on notice when it came to how many – drives you want your franchise quarterback playing because he got hurt in preseason. It was like the second preseason. Game. So I think that's when people were okay, maybe one or two drives because I remember Dan. Dan Reeves was very old school minded. He was kind of stubborn. He always wanted Vic to get his reps. After that, I was like, all right, we got to cut down the reps in preseason. But I would say the early years, 2002 to 2004, we really saw the best of Vic in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, and something we also um, mentioned on that episode that we did was he got hurt right off the Madden cover too. Remember? Wasn't that the Madden curse or yeah, it was right after Eddie George and Culpepper. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, I think with Vic, he was something that we never seen before. And even the older generations were saying, which is why I think his impact is so crazy. Cause Mike Vic, we're talking about the football player and we'll 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 touch on a little bit about you know, how his career went because it's part of the Michael Vick story. You can't ignore that, right? Where Mm -hmm. we're seeing it with the last dance stuff with Michael Jordan, where you can't ignore the betting stuff and the betting scandals because that's part of his story. So we can't ignore that. But going back to the early stages of Vick, it was like, yo, seeing an alien, bro. It's so like, you're like, what the fuck is this? The Michael Vick experience was like a real thing. They had like roller coasters and whatnot, and Nike really... Commercial sneakers. Yeah, it was just wild. It was just wild. So his impact on the game... I'm talking about an impact uh, of generations to come. He's in the Mount Rushmore from that standpoint. Like, when I, when I think of guys like that, I, I, think of, I think of Brady's impact. I think of Breeze's impact. I think of Mike Vick's impact. That's how I grouped those guys together because Breeze opened up the door for the guy who's Russell Wilson, Johnny Manziel, of- Baker Mayfield, right? I know Johnny football fizzled out, but I'm saying like Johnny football isn't a thing unless you could see Drew Brees and be like, yo, you know what? it's possible to be six foot and be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Definitely not a
2: first-round pick.
1: Right, right. Yeah. But, but I'm saying just the idea of being potentially a first-round pick Right. So I think Vick's impact is crazy, man. And it was something where just because you were the best athlete on the field doesn't mean that you can't play quarterback. And that's what I think happened with Mike Vick. And then you saw people like Lamar Jackson. You saw people like Cam Newton. You saw other athletes come in. Like, shit, even, even Andrew Luck, people said, was a really good athlete. But he was also playing quarterback. So I think his impact on the game was just so, so special. That's how – that's what, what why I think Vic is. I don't know if ultimately he gets in the Hall of Fame. How do you feel?
2: I think they base off stats and achievements. I, I think it's, that's more of the criteria rather than you know your actual popularity or just value to the sport. And if you want to base off achievements, that's I don't think Vic has any case because his run was kind of short fused. Like it, it was two thousand two. 2004 were like his best years in Atlanta. And then 2005 is when things started to teeter off. You saw reports where he wasn't really learning the playbook as much. His work ethic wasn't the same. And this was around the time where the bad news kettle started because he signed a nine-year, $130 million extension in December 2004. And this Mm. is when the division was already clinched. They won the division in 2004. Went to the playoffs, lost to Philly for the second time in three years. Philly was always – it's weird. His Most of his playoff losses are in Philly, uh, twice with Atlanta and then once in Philly as a starter. I know he yeah, had a Dallas. Yeah, when they lost to Green
1: Bay in, in, in 2010.
2: That's when it all started. And yeah. I know he, he lost to Dallas, but he was a backup member the McNabb game, and he came in through the bomb to Jeremy Macklin. But you, mm-hmm. you can't really count that as a playoff loss. But Vic, I think his work ethic was starting to deteriorate, and that's when the – things start coming out with the dogfighting scandal, but then it With Jim Moore Jr., he was very immature as a coach, and then Greg Knapp was a great coordinator. And let's not forget, you know, we talk all about Mike Vick. You won't hear anything about his receivers. Okay, we'll we'll get the Algie mentioned there because Algie's the man. But his supporting cast was never that good. It just never materialized. They traded for Pierce Price. He flopped bad. They got first-round picks in Michael Jenkins, who's kind of like a milling veteran. They did trade Roddy White, but Roddy White was very immature at the time. And he wasn't wasn't the Roddy White
1: that Matt Ryan got. Yeah, exactly. That's also something very important to, to, to right. bring up too.
2: Yeah. So Vic just didn't his supporting cast was never that good either. But by like two thousand six, things were just kind of falling apart. He never really evolved as a passer and and then eventually, you know, everything came out with the Dolphin scandal.
1: Dude, I'll never forget watching SportsCenter. And this is when uh Brian Finnernan? Finnegan? Yeah. Finnernan, and he like came back off an injury and then like Brian Finner in his back. Big addition <laughs> for the fucking offense. And so you're like, yo, come on, dog. No wonder why this guy's running all the time. Because he got that fucking legend that he has something to.
2: Security blanket oh. at best. But, oh,
1: No disrespect dude. to the man, NFL pro, but come on now.
2: He, he's big in Atlanta radio too. I've actually interviewed him about three, four times. He's a good dude, but uh, yeah. he's, right. he's very limited. He's a Villanova receiver for a reason. Yeah, like... Him and Brian Westbrook, the only guys from Villanova.
1: Come on. You know, like, let, let, let's throw this guy a bone, no pun intended, with the with the dog stuff. Oh, but, like, sh- but, like, guys, come on. This is what he was dude. working with. Algie Crumpler, who, you know...
2: No could, Algie's planned there.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't entirely Antonio Gates and, and Travis Kelsey it a,
2: also. He was a notch below, yeah, because in that era, you had Gates and Gonzalez, and then Witten was coming on, and I'm not sure if Vernon Davis was in the league yet, but... Maybe he was, but but yeah, Crumpler was more of just kind of like a security blanket thing. I was thinking he could go down the field a little bit, but he wasn't somebody that teams necessarily game plan for. Him. But yeah, Vic never really had that star-studded receiver, that number one guy he could go to, and I think that kind of affected his ability to throw in the pocket. But this all the time, man. People forget how good the NFC South was. You had the Bucs defense, and then you had the Panthers with guys like Peppers and Chris Jenkins, and that division every year was a just a war zone like that, it was hard because I mentioned all the time from 2002, which was the inception to about, I would say, 2000 and maybe 12, no team won the division twice or actually later because Carolina did it. Carolina
1: did it with Cam and Rivera.
2: Yeah. Yeah, from 13 to 15. So it was NFC South every year was just a new team in front. So that's why it was hard to have that consistency. But I just think Atlanta's inability to you know, develop town kind of affected Nick besides, of course, his work ethic and uh, off the off-the-field stuff. Was, I would say by 06, things were getting bad. There was a point where like Jim Moore Sr. called him a coach killer in public, and Jim Moore Jr. is like, what am I supposed to do? I'm on the hot seat right now. I'm about to get fired. And then there's a game against New Orleans where uh, he got booed out of the stadium and he flipped off fans, which is just – Oh, he got, yeah. Yeah. You got signed to a nine-year, $130 million deal, and now you're flipping off fans. And that was just – and that was after a loss to the Saints. So you're talking about a road loss to the Saints, and then you flip off the fans. It just – everything was just building up. And then Bob Petrino comes in, and just when things couldn't get worse, they got worse.
1: I think with Vic, the interesting thing about him is also the Saints were kind of coming along too. Right. Breeze and Payton get there came in yeah. 2005. Then they went on that deep playoff run with Reggie Bush as a rookie. So th- you're right. Also, Tampa Bay in, in 2007, I'm pretty sure won the division because the Giants went to the Super Bowl and they played them in the wild card round. Right. Um,
2: and Carolina oh, man, was dude. always solid.
1: Side note, if I was de hard back then, I would have put everything I had on the Giants to beat that Bucks team. Like they were like a four-point underdog. I was like, there's no way this team is better than the
2: Giants. Like who who was QB? Was it Jeff Garcia or Chris Sims? Those are the two that combined. Oh man. I don't It couldn't be Brian Greasy. That's another guy you could mention. No, it was someone no. very I mediocre. Say,
1: I want to say it was Chris Sims.
2: Man, but that team Chris was Sims, like last leg. Well, Dr. Bleach report.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Mike Vick, though, what do you think is the most underrated part of Mike Vick? Like how
2: good of a passer was he? It's interesting because he was so consistent, but you knew he had the cannon. But there were times where he made some really nice tight window throws, especially that first year in Philly where he was a star, like him and Chip Kelly, which we'll definitely get to. They hit it off right away. Like I remember the. Ke- he had a great chemistry like Deshaun Jackson and Brent Selig and Jeremy Macklin like, like Vic okay his stats still show he was under 60% most years but there were times where he made some jaw-dropping throws like he wasn't just this guy that kind of just feed off play action he was somebody that still had the arm talent it was just a lack of consistency that came, held him back so I think if there was underrated things about like Vic is just it, okay he wasn't consistent but he's still someone that i think can make all the throws like i know people hate the term arm town but he's definitely someone that had an arm town he had the quote unquote can make all the throws it was just a lack of mechanics and you know sometimes being a little too panicky in the pocket because like, mm. as you know with vic especially an athlete of his caliber you know if he sees a lane he's gonna run just based off his ability so there were times where it would kind of mess up his footwork which was always an issue and led to some really poor throws cause, most seasons, like I said, under 60%. You just never that of a passer, but I will still defend his arm. I still think he's someone maybe with better coaching, maybe playing this era of football, could have been over 60%. Early.
1: Well, that's a good-ass good point, bro. If he played now, what kind of quarterback could he have been? Because you can't hit the QB like you could back then. It's a lot softer for the QB. Um, the rule changes
2: I also, yeah i also want to mention if you, in this prime and look i will never i have nothing good to say about Patrino, petrino but give credit is due him and lamar jackson really had a report they did great things together like if vick in his prime would have been coached by petrino or say chip kelly who knows what could have happened because the coach in atlanta was never really that good you know, dan reeves was old school minded then jim moore jr who probably should have never been a fellow coach he would have had either petrino who, well, he's not an NFL coach either, but maybe Petrino could have been an offense coordinator. That could have benefited him. But could you imagine if Vic and Chip Kelly were both on the same page in his prime rather than, you know, when Vic came back, he was, what, like, three years after, mm. you know, prison and not being a starter? It, if, it would have been cool to see that. So I think that's the thing to take in mind because Vic had a couple opportunities with some very well-respected offensive lines in like Petrino and Chip Kelly.
1: Man, I think his his best season in his career was the year with Philly in 2010. Um, he might've had more passing yards of the other years. He might've through, um, you know, uh, no, 21 touchdowns to six interceptions in 2010. Yeah. Just I'm a big eye test guy, bro. Still to this day. Um, it's just something where like just watching Vic that year, And to think, bro, like, dude was incarcerated for two years and then wasn't a starter. McNabb is there. Like, you're playing behind McNabb, who he didn't have the championship success, but that guy went to five straight NFC title games, right? He was a premier quarterback in the NFL. He was a top quarterback in the NFL. And you're behind that guy. You're not getting mad reps in practice. Like you're running a couple of wildcats and shit like that in a game. Yeah. And then if you remember, bro, Kevin Cobb was the starter in that year. And then Cobb they gets hurt. They were trying to get
2: on board, yeah.
1: Cobb gets hurt, right? They trade they trade McNabb to Washington. Was it a trade or did he sign?
2: I believe it was a trade.
1: I'm pretty sure it was a sure. trade. Like, let me too. Conf- let me like, confirm yeah, but, that. But, but regardless, McNabb leaves and to replace a legend like that, it's Kevin Cobb. And then Cobb goes down the first or second game of the year. Then Mike Vick steps in and he has a monster season. And that was a very scary team, And Deshaun Jackson's running wild. Jeremy Macklin. Like they're they're really doing it up. And
2: young shady McCoy as well.
1: Young shady. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember I went to uh, I went to Buffalo. And um, McCoy was watching Deion Lewis at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, because that's where McCoy went also. And Deion Lewis was the running back either a year or two after McCoy left. And I just remember McCoy being there and hyping up Deion Lewis and like Buffalo media. Because like Buffalo at the time, they used to have this head coach, uh, Trevor Gills, I think his name was. Coach Gills. He he ended up becoming the coach for Kansas, which is a disaster because Kansas football is about as nice as St. John's football. You know St. John's doesn't have football. I'm trying Damn. to make the comparison. That uh, uh,
2: unnecessary low blow.
1: Oh my bad. Yeah, I forgot you and Johnny. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has. Hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges. To discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. And check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And an announcement for all members of our Patreon. I'm doing a Zoom conference call Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Get in touch with me if you are in the discord or if you are not in the discord just send us an email at veterans minimum show at gmail.com or get in touch with me on social media you know where to find me or the show handle and we will get you in on that one just got some housekeeping notes i want to address with all of you and in particular nick chavez ryan pisner christopher velasquez Corey johnson hoops Derek plietes and daniel gibson thank you all so much for once again your monthly contributions to the patreon dude yeah you're right that young mccoy um brent yeah. selick was also there they they orchestrated the comeback which i think was his best moment the Giants. They're, just- they're fucking down 28
2: True. I, I Man, I just think of Deshaun Jackson's punt return more than anything else. Like, I don't think it was solely on Vic. I know Vic had a big part. No, it,
1: I know, so. but he threw two touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure he rushed for one. And okay. that was, like, man, that's – I mean, for me personally, that's the one game that I remember the most as a Giants fan in the loss. And
2: I think the Washington Monday night game, that was one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my life.
1: That's his best game. Like, yeah. that's that's a game where if that was to happen now with social media, bro, like – Lamar Jackson kind of did that against the Rams this year.
2: Right, we watched that.
1: We watched that on Mike Cray, but he Mm -hmm. threw like, what, four touchdowns in the first half? But it was some shit like that. Mike Vick threw four and ran two in.
2: Just the the bombs of Deshaun Jackson, 88 yards, just that first play just is always being grained in my mind because it was just in stride. And it was such – the game was building up because it was Vick versus McNabb. And so the Eagles trade – McNabb for a second round pick, so mm. it was a trade back in um, 2010, but yeah, that 2010 season, it was just crazy because he basically hasn't played football in three years, and now he's playing better than ever, and this is when Pete Kelly, so everyone's worried about Kelly, and it was, it was just crazy because it's like he was down and out, and now it's like one of the craziest redemption stories, and there's still people aren't fully buying in yet because there's still a lot of animosity. There's still, you still forget, especially Philly being such a big media market. And it's just, you know, they're constantly asking about it. dog fighting. And it's just, he for years had to deal with it. And I think he owes a lot of, uh, you know, just for his comeback, he credits Tony Dungy and Don McNabb. Tony Dungy was like his mentor and McNabb is the one that convinced Andy Reed to sign him because Andy and, Reed and pushed for teachers. it. Yeah. yeah. So I think Did those you? are the two guys.
1: Did you happen to watch the 30 for 30 they did on him? Yeah, really good. Yeah, that was that was really, really good. And you know, um the dog stuff, man. How was what was the reaction like from Atlanta when that happens? Cause you gotta remember Atlanta at that point, like the Braves were something in the nineties, but then they kind of fizzled out for a little bit, and then in comes Vic. Yeah, and also Fox like, were uh, laughing stock.
2: Yeah, but also
1: like from a culture standpoint, bro, an African-American oh, a- playing yeah. the most important position in in a city like Atlanta, that was huge for them. It was, mm-hmm. yo, he was such a cultural icon too, bro. How many music videos was he in? Everyone wanted to be like Mike Vick too. like
2: Oh, Luda, T.I., Jeezy, they all have reference. Yo, and, and that's Vick. also he, around the same like, time yeah.
1: when all those dudes were coming up too. Mm-hmm. So there was like a big surge in Atlanta, and I feel like Vic was kind of spearheading that too.
2: Yeah, every game was sold out because, as you know, with Atlanta, they're among the lowest when it comes to 10s. If like, they're bad, it's not a good scene. But when they're hot, they filled out the Georgia Dome. So he brought in, obviously brought in huge crowds, and he was such an icon down there. People, regardless of how inconsistent he was, they just loved watching that man do what he did because he was just like a rock star you know, you never know what to expect so when everything happened they obviously people felt betrayed but it's in the back of their mind they're like oh he'll come back in a year or two they're still gonna invest in him because him and arthur blank were very tight arthur blank he gave him the farm like arthur blank was a like, year like my new son i'm gonna take you to dinner every week i'm gonna you know give you this big monster contract like imagine giving a quarterback a nine-year contract like you'll never you'll never see that again and then next thing you know it now they're taking the court they want like 30, 40 million back. And, you know, I, I think the city, they kind of were still living in this fancy land. Like, he'll be back. Hmm. It, it didn't hit them until they passed on Glenn. Like, they, like, even going to the 2008 draft, they thought, okay, they're going to take Glenn Dorsey. Forget that. Wasn't Ryan. he from Glenn,
1: Atlanta? Or wasn't he? Because I know he LSU. was the LSU, but I'm saying, yeah, like. maybe. Did, was there any ties to, or was it just because of like? SEC I think it's just culture? a South thing. Yeah, SEC
2: yeah. culture, and he and people forget how dominant Glenn Dorsey he was, was. Yeah, and, he was. Yeah. He
1: was supposed to be what Aaron Donald ended up being.
2: Exactly. If you remember so the whole, that, yeah, the whole thing was okay. They're going. The, the strategy was okay. They're going to take Glenn Dorsey at three, and then they'll get like Brian Brom in the second round. That was like everyone's idea outlook, <laughs> even though they're like, okay, maybe Vic will come back, but you know, once they took, once Ryan was taken, and Vic talks about this, he wrote a great piece in the Players' Tribute. Once he saw Ryan get taken, he was watching draft in prison. He goes, wow, my, my city's gone. Like, that's when Vic realized it. I think that's when people came to terms with it. So I think at that point, they just needed a whole makeover. Petrino abandoned them, that was such, because they were pretty much the most dysfunctional organization. You lose your QB to Dolphin scandal, and now your coach is uh, quitting on a Tuesday, then he's in Arkansas doing the pick suey on ESPN. You got guys like D'Angelo Hall and Keith Brooking in the locker room. Like you just gave me a letter. Wow. That's a fullback. Like, like that 2017, you had Brookie and work done, who have veterans? Algie Crumpler, John Abraham, like, you had all these veterans. Meanwhile you have Petrino. Petrino literally gives them a note. They get blown out by New Orleans on Monday night the next morning. Uh, I resigned I'm going to Arkansas and they were like the biggest laughing stock. So that's why I think Arthur Blank's like I'm not relying on a guy who, who knows what he's like coming out of prison and we're just gonna start fresh with Ryan and Mike Smith. So that's kind of like where the era ended. But I think always Vic will have a huge soft spot. You know, the the fan base, they will always adore Mike V because from two thousand two, two thousand six there was no way people were gonna miss out what was going on Sunday or Monday night. It was just yeah, that was the place to be. You had to go to the Georgia.
1: How was it for Matt Ryan having to replace him? I know this isn't a Matt Ryan podcast, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again, you can't write the history of Mike Vick without talking about Matt Ryan, how you just mentioned when he gets chosen by the Falcons, he knows that his career is kind of even more in flux than it was before. Mm-hmm. Cause in the back of his mind the whole time, he, kind of touches on it both in that piece that you mentioned and also in other interviews where he always thought that in the back of his mind like because he was so beloved because of his relationship with arthur blank that yo when i get out of this they'll welcome me back and then damn there it's like damn son they're moving on there's the new chick was it hard for matt ryan to have to again also like i don't want to bring race into it but atlanta Big African American community, Mike Vick being an African American quarterback, and then you got this white dude, Matt Ryan, coming in. Like, what was that like? And I'm so happy that you're on for this because you have a lot of Falcon insight.
2: Yeah, it did play a part, and especially given how much of an icon Vick was, but that too, as we yeah. But as we know with sports, if you win, you're going to be accepted. And fact, fact. 2008 to 2012, Atlanta had winning seasons. They made the playoffs four for five years. So people eventually, they had to become accepting. And then you saw the rise of guys like Roddy White and Michael Turner and Magic uh, Runker, uh, John Abraham. And you know, we just saw more new Julio. stars emerging. Julio came in 2011. Yeah. So I think even though there was backlash because – Vic was like their son in Atlanta, but I think winning cures everything. And, you know, to go from being a laughingstock to winning 11 games, because that 08 season, people thought, okay, Atlanta's going to win like two or three games. They had arguably the worst roster. Instead, they won 11 games. They lost to that Super Bowl Arizona team. They took them to the brink, lost the Walker round, But, you know, what? Because once you were consistent winning, and I think another thing that helped them was they were one of the best home teams during that stretch. They would go six and two, seven and they won every single year. Those early Mike Smith at Ryan teams. So they didn't have much to complain about. But when it came to the January, when they would lose, whether it be to Green Bay or the Giants or eventually San Fran, people would still mention, "Oh, Vic," because Vic did win a couple of playoff games, even though they were kind of one-sided blowouts. But I think it took a while for Matt Ryan to be accepted just because the playoff losses kept mounting. But you know, at the same time, people didn't hold too much of a grudge because it's like, okay, this team's contending year in and year out. Like, they're getting January football because as much as people love Vic, Atlanta wasn't always winning. Besides 2002, 2004, they never made the playoffs on their so, You know, People could talk all they want about, you know, this guy was such a huge figure, and you know, we loved watching him every week. At the end of the day, you want to compete for Superman when Matt Ryan did put him in a position with those years.
1: It's interesting. How much how much could he have been a better quarterback if he wasn't that good of an athlete? Did did he use his athleticism to because you always hear stories about guys that are so talented? But their talent keeps them from working hard because they know that like, yo, my abilities could just bail me out of certain situations. Right. They, you've heard stories about how J.R. Smith, Chris Paul, once said when he was a rookie with the um with New Orleans back in the day, he said, you know, he's the most talented player I've ever seen. J.R. Smith likes to party. J.R. Smith does all these extracurricular activities. And he doesn't like he's talented enough, but he doesn't put in that extra work. Jamal Crawford has been a guy that's been mentioned like that too. And then you look at other players who aren't as gifted talent wise, they just work harder. And sometimes I feel like it's a detriment to your success when Vic could just like scramble on third and eight, or he doesn't really need to read a playbook because he could improvise and he has that you know arm talent like you mentioned i don't know i've always just been curious about how you feel about that
2: Uh, what his work ethic or
1: yeah like his work ethic um his just like do you think that him being such a super freak of an athlete at that position too like did it hurt him being a pocket passer
2: no it definitely did because i think he rests on his laurels too much exactly yes yeah. that's
1: the term that i was looking for
2: exactly right. because cause there were times where he would run for a thousand yards but then he would be completing like 30 or not 52 percent of his passes he would have like 13 interceptions here and there and there was just times where i think defenses started figuring him out because the issue was they didn't have any receivers that you had to worry about so mm-hmm. the that pressure kept building and you can only rely on the running game for so long even though you know work was great and tj duncan put a good part and dvd was a big thing in a atlanta for a bit but eventually that 2005 2006 church where they would start out either five and one or four and two they would just crash by november december and they finished the year eight eight seven nine so i do think that really did rest on his loss he admitted that he his ego got big and he just thought with his supreme athleticism he could just outmaneuver everyone eventually uh, it comes back yeah, it wears on you because I think another issue with Vic was he took too much punishment. He wasn't someone that, like, the slide, he would just try to gain as many yards as possible. He would put his body uh, out there way too much, like, especially in the middle of the field because he would just take off and you didn't really see him do that quarterback slide. It was more, yeah. I'm going to die for an extra three, four yards or I'm going to take this hit. Like, i would never forget 2002 playoffs against the Eagles. This is when veterans, I think veterans field it was called, but I'll never forget Brian Dawkins just, oh, Popped them. I remember that hit, too. <laughs> and I was just like, these are things you don't see from a QB zone. You don't see Russell Wilson. You don't see Lamar Jackson. They they slide, but Vic would just consistently try to go for extra yards. And I think it did play a part in him eventually breaking down a bit. So that's why when he came back you know, in 2010, I thought with Chip Kelly's too And I think him just – obviously, when you go to prison, you get humbled. And I think just seeing sponsorships being lost and just people really turn their backs on him. I think it humbled them and just made him to a smart player and something that okay I need to develop more my mechanically. So I think working under a guy like Don that really helped because Atlanta they didn't have a lot of leaders and the coaching wasn't good down there. Once Dan Reeves got fired, I think going to Philadelphia and we on by Chip Kelly, the guy is still an incredible play caller and you just I think the Eagles just have built such a great organization there. So I do think that that setting really helped them you know mature as a quarterback and you know have that great year, but you know, if you want to look at the tail end of his career, he only really had one great year in Philly, because I think by twenty eleven, if you want to go into that, that was the infamous, you know, we're taking over everything team and they did Oh, the nothing. dream
1: team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I, oh, I remember Young. I remember vividly. That was that was the Victor Cruz coming out party game. Mm-hmm. Victor Cruz that year it was week three. They're playing at the at the link, uh, place where the Giants, it's always been and still is. And will forever be a not only a very difficult place for anyone to play. Man, I can't tell you, Alan, how many seasons have been altered by going to play in Philly for the Giants. Like they just go there and they're deers in the headlights. Just they don't know what the fuck happens. Ultimately, Victor Cruz's career started and ended in Philadelphia. Because that week three season, that week three season, he catches like a swing pass on the outside, two guys tackle each other, and he breaks like a 70 yard touchdown. Breaks out the salsa, and then from then on, Giants go on this run. Fast forward a couple of years later, 2014, Sunday Night Football game. It's supposed to be Odell and Cruz. We finally get them back, because if you remember, Odell, that year when he gets drafted, doesn't play those first four games. Ironically enough, comes back against the Falcons, I'm pretty sure. did he? Yeah, he
2: toasted Robert Alford, I remember. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. And um, from then on, Cruz gets hurt in that game against Philly. Breaks his, you know... Shatters his tibula uh, mm-hmm. tibula. I think though? Was- no, it's patella tendon rupture from the tendon, worst injuries, which they say you're better off tearing your ACL because it's like that bone that's right above your knee, that's what he broke. So it's like that that's like a very scary injury. But I remember that Philly team man. They got Asamuga, Asamoga, the yeah. that corner from Asamoah. Oakland, yeah, Asamoah, they yeah. got uh Vince Young was like the backup, popping off, talking mad shit. McCoy right. was still in his heyday. Uh, this whole Chip Kelly effect. And, yeah, it was supposed to be the 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 season for them. And then it, it didn't work out. It
2: didn't work mm-hmm. out. But he did. They so got just... benched eventually for Nick Foles a couple years later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then Nick Foles went on that run where he threw, like, 28 touchdowns to two interceptions or some shit. But Chip Kelly, man, he turned a lot of quarterbacks and made him some money. Like, even, you know, with Vic, too, Vic signs that a second $100 million deal with, with the Eagles.
2: He did. That's right. I for, always forget about that.
1: Yeah. I think he was the first quarterback to sign $200 million contracts.
2: Which I'm looking up right now because, like, how, that's pretty unprecedented when you think about it. Dude, think about, like, yo, that's a rare breed,
1: son to to get like you strive to get that big payday right mm. you get your big payday you piss it all away you go to jail shit my mom still dislikes him anytime she sees my <laughs> i'm like yo you know like it's not like they slapped him on the wrist and were like oh i'll sign a couple autographs and here's six months it's like no nah, bro this guy really went to jail and lost everything right. and then to come back and to have like yo you're talking about like you said 0708 he doesn't play oh nine, he comes back does that wild cat bullshit and there's like a backup comes in for like two, three plays a game and to come back, dude. And you have that season in 2010 and then you get paid another hundred million. Like, Dave, you want to talk about perseverance and staying focused? Like Vic epitomizes that.
2: Oh, I got to clear this thing up. He, I keep, like, I, Chip Kelly didn't come into like 2013. I meant to say Andy Reid before. Andy Reid's the one that deserves actually a lot of this credit. I keep referencing Chip Kelly because people forget Reid got fired, I think, in 12, So Vic only got to work with Chip Kelly for a bit. So I should be stressing that Andy Reid's the main guy, not yeah, Chip why Kelly. Did you know I, Vic...
1: Why did I say that too?
2: Yeah, so I don't know why I feel up. like Chip yeah, no, because I, I keep forgetting Andy Reid didn't get fired until like 12 because Vic was there. He's actually a big part of Andy Reid getting fired. But, no, Andy Reid actually does a lot of credit, even though Kelly did work with Vic a little bit. But then, as you know, 2013, that was kind of like the Nick Foles year. So, yeah, it's I always forget Andy Reid because, as you know, Chip Kelly, when he came in, he started taking over. but. Andy Reid, he definitely had his moments in the early 2010, 11 ish. Nah, yeah, dude, up. I just
1: feel like he's he's been with Kansas City now for so long. We're like he's been right. there like seven years. Yeah, and he's the man. And you forget how long he was with Philly. Yeah, wow, I can't believe mm-hmm. I made that mistake. Well, so yeah, it, so, so I feel a little better. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, totally.
2: <laughs> so and, Andy Reid is you know it's the main guy, but Vic did work with Chip Kelly.
1: Well, look, Andy Reid, yeah. no no slouch when it comes to offensive mastermind.
2: Right, so I think like, that also really helped. For, it. for sure, for sure, dude. Mm-hmm. But
1: also, like you said, Deshaun Jackson, Macklin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> he had weapons, unlike what he had in mm-hmm. in Atlanta.
2: All right, Perfect. last thing on Mike Vick. How do you think he's remembered? he's someone that broke barriers. Like I, I, I do think. I want to call him like, okay, he's somewhat of a transcendent town, but I just don't think he was that consistent enough because when you look at his legacy, it was really 2002, 2004, 2010, like his real great years. So he really only has three truly special years that you could put on a pedestal. The rest were either kind of average to, you know, he got benched at one point or he just wasn't really, Playing too much we're not going to talk about his briefs with the jets and steelers which was so weird looking back on it uh, yeah, but
1: <laughs> that's why i said if you don't remember him as a falcon or, or maybe yeah. an
2: eagle like yeah. that's that's not the vic you should
1: remember him by
2: yeah but he's someone that broke bears he's someone that you know, he made it at one point he was the most must watch you know must most must see player to watch in the league by far uh he always made Things that seemed impossible, possible. Just anytime you saw him break the pocket, knew something crazy was gonna happen. Like just that feeling of him getting into the secondary. So yeah, that's how you gotta remember Vic. He was such an electrifying talent that, you know, yes, of course he made his mistakes and he kind of ruined things at Ben Atlanta. But I think his redemption story is something to be admired. You know, what he did in 2010 is one of the greatest things we'll ever see. So yeah, definitely an icon and someone that I think you know barriers at a time where people you know leak were for most of us just mostly pocket passers. see someone that really uh changed it you know just how you view the quarterback position
1: yeah pretty much pretty much what you said there man um definitely his story in a weird way should be admired and and you looked at as someone who had everything in the palm of his hands and then also like, yo, if you watch that 30 for 30, there's this one guy that like pops up and like, you can just tell that guy was sketchy from the beginning. Um,
2: oh, he had a lot of questionable friends. I think that's what kind of doing. But he still had like that group with yeah, kind of, like, Virginia, so much, Atlanta. And yeah,
1: so much of your success is, you know, the company you keep, right? You always hear those things. Show me who your five best friends or close friends are. I'll tell you how mm-hmm. successful you'll be. And yeah, he was definitely, look, a lot of it is his, his own wrongdoing too. Where, when you associate yourself with certain people, things are going to happen. And sometimes it's good things, sometimes it's right. bad things. But I think you should tip your cap to Mike Vick in the sense of, mm. bro, you had, yo, know, you said must, most must see athlete in the NFL. Shit, I would make the case he was top three at the time across all sports.
2: Right. Like, who who wasn't in the Kobe? NBA at
1: that time? It was like Kobe and like early LeBron. Mm. And then.
2: Because Iverson was tearing off at that point.
1: Iverson was, yeah, but, like, I can't think of anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, like, a a big-name guy where people were coming mm-hmm. to see him. So and his, I think his it's impact also, is, yeah. is going to be long past football.
2: I also want to mention, like, I know people are going to, especially dog lovers, they still kind of hold a grudge. And, look, if you don't like Michael v, that's totally understand why I held the grudge for a very long time because I just thought what he did it was disgraceful and just something that I don't think he initially handled well. Like, he kind of avoided interviews, but, you know, based on the donations he made, and look, he did his time. It's not like this guy didn't serve time. He served over two years. So I think we, you know, people just had to let that go because it's just and this man clearly did his grudge. You know, served his punishment but it's not like he overlooked it like he did what he had to do and then he made his donations and now he's you know helping other quarterbacks. So like you see him interviewing the likes of Deshaun Watson Lamar, and Lamar Jackson he's trying to now help the game so I think you know if you're gonna hold a grudge and believe me I did for a very long time but I just think now you just you have to recognize what he's done and we all make mistakes and what he did is unforgivable but I think if anyone's still kind of mad I don't think it's necessary because it's You know, look what more do you want him to do? He served his time and you know he's giving back to community. That's all you can really ask for.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't speak on how certain people feel, but I can tell you just how I feel about him. He served his time. Right. I own I have three dogs. I've had dogs my whole life. Sure, piece of shit thing that he he did. No question about it. Mm -hmm. But he served his time, man. And at that point, like you paid your debt to society for me. And it's not like he went back to dogfighting. Yeah, like there hasn't been any rumors of him doing it again. So he learned his lesson. He paid his debt to society. And that's it, man. I. I don't have a problem. Now he's doing things
2: for football. Like, you see him. He's, he's hoping oh, for yeah. He's on he's, Fox
1: now. He's at school, yeah. yeah.
2: So he's using influence. Uh, Atlanta did a great thing for him in 2016. They had, like, this Ring of Honor ceremony for him that they actually do call Ring of Honor. But, uh, Let's go. They did, yeah. So they they, uh, they did it for him. I think it was a halftime show, Week 17 against New Orleans. And they him and Roddy, like... We're in like an escalate. Oh, to that. After yeah. yeah. So that was like a huge celebration. And it, I th- think that was kind of the moments. It's like, okay. Uh, it was kind of the moment where like Vic kind of passed and pushed Ryan away of the city because that was Ryan's MVP year as well. So it was just those kind of moments. Just like, there's no reason to really hold a grudge on this man anymore. It's like, keep this time. And, you know, now he's going to different communities and just trying to be, you know, trying to make an impact in a positive way. Like, how can you not admire that? So. Uh, I do think that needs to be addressed just because I know there's still people out there that still will hate everything about Michael. Look, I understand if you're a true dog, but at this point, just holding that animosity, what, 14 years later? I don't know. Just-
1: yeah. Yeah, because it can't be good for you to keep that in you, too. So, But all right, man. I think this was uh, very fun, very interesting. You definitely told me a lot about Mike Vick that I didn't know beforehand, so I'm hoping we get uh, some feedback and some people got
2: a lot out of this too. Um,
1: Alan, where can they find you, man?
2: Uh, Alan underscore, that's a double underscore S-T-R-K.
1: At The Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Like, subscribe, resubscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review too, guys. It goes a long way to building the podcast. And we will catch you guys next time.
0: Think you got it i got it for real you, you got what i got uh. this one for those they forget in my city this one for those they forget yeah this dog off the leash and it's ready to kill, kill. homie go finish your meal Game. i'm coming for real taking that food right off of your grill not. Nikki too ill can't let a drop of me spill clogging the lane i'm feeling the stream. i'm here for the spot to be filled not to be cocky but all of you watching while i'm in the cup paying property bills got it. Got it.